Our good friend and regular Draw Near guest, Father Pat Bame, is one of my favorite homilists. He is relatable, he's always relevant, and he's genuinely pastoral. He speaks truth from a place of love. And Father records his Sunday homilies, and so we are very happy to share them with our listeners. Please enjoy. For those of you who were here last week, you'll remember that I preached the very best homily that I have ever given on hell, because it was the first and only homily that I have ever given on hell. So by definition, it was the first and also the best. But that was only the first part of this three-part series that Father Peter and I want to do. So last week was on hell, this week is on purgatory, next week is on heaven. So today you get to hear all about purgatory. This is one of, if not the most misunderstood teaching of our faith among our Protestant brothers and sisters. This really is one of those key things that separates us as Catholics from our Protestant brethren. Their big contention is that the word purgatory does not actually appear in the Bible, and they are correct in that. Our Protestant brothers and sisters are right. You can look all over the Bible and you will not find the word purgatory anywhere. But you also will not find the word trinity, and so it's really not a question of is the word there because we would have very much in common with our protestant brothers and sisters a belief in the trinity the question isn't so much is the word there the question is is the concept there and i would argue that it certainly is both for the trinity and for the doctrine of purgatory saint paul talks about a cleansing fire and so we might ask okay what is he talking about there's obviously no cleansing going on in either heaven or hell. The souls in heaven don't need it. And the souls in hell don't want it. So what is he talking about? He's talking about a different cleansing. The theoretic, theoretically, I guess we might say, is this place that we call purgatory. The second book of Maccabees has a, a very short passage that speaks of praying for the dead. Now, again, it's a whole other question. Should we include the second book of Maccabees in the canon of Scripture? We as Catholics would say yes. Our Protestant brothers and sisters would say no. But regardless, leaving that aside, there is a, a clear understanding in ancient Jewish culture of the need to pray for the dead. And so why would that be? Well, presumably because it can help them if they have died not perfectly purified and ready to be in God's presence for eternity. So I believe that if we really understand what our church teaches and believes about purgatory, it makes total sense and hopefully can help bridge this gap that we have with our Protestant brothers and sisters to work a little bit closer towards reunifying all of Christianity. As always, I'm going to begin with the Catechism of the Catholic Church. The Catechism devotes three paragraphs to the teaching on purgatory. And when you read them, there are two key points that emerge. First, those in purgatory are assured of their eternal salvation. If you get into purgatory, you get into heaven. Second, so that's number one. Number two, they must undergo this period of purification in order to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joys of heaven. So let's break these down one by one. First, again, those in purgatory are assured of their eternal salvation. If you get into purgatory, you get into heaven. So that's very, very good news. In other words, purgatory is not a quote-unquote little hell 
Okay, it's not a halfway house. It's not God saying, okay, look, you didn't quite get it right and you didn't quite get it wrong, so here's this place in between. No. Those who are in purgatory died in God's friendship, meaning they died in a state of sanctifying grace, and they were not perfectly purified from their own sinfulness or their own attachment to sin. The reality is, is that every time we sin, we incur a certain debt. Now, for sure, Christ's sacrifice paid the eternal debt of sin. Had Christ not gone to the cross, not a single one of us could make it to heaven, not one. Even the Blessed Virgin Mary. Christ's sacrifice opened that door for us. But nonetheless, we still have a role to play. We don't get to just sort of sit back and check out and say, eh, I'm just not going to participate. We have a role. To draw an analogy, it would sort of be like this. If I take a baseball and I throw it through your window, I'm not going to do that, but let's just say that I did, and I come up to you and I say, I'm sorry I broke your window. Hopefully you would forgive me because you're a, a faithful believer, you're a devout disciple of Jesus, and you would say, Father, it's okay, I forgive you. But out of justice, I would still need to pay you for the cost of the window. So we sin, we say, God, forgive me, I'm sorry, Jesus forgives us, but we still have a certain debt there that we owe to him in justice. And so every sin that we commit, big ones, small ones, and everything in between, that accrues, we might say, time in purgatory to remedy the divine justice in order to give God what is rightfully his due. I like to think of purgatory with this analogy. So I gave the analogy of the, the baseball and the, and the window. This is the other one that I will often use, and I, and I explain it this way to children. And so they, this seems to make sense. So hopefully this will help. When I go to bed at night, I like to sleep in a pitch black room. I want it to be as dark as I can possibly get it. I don't like any light in my room at all. And so when I wake up in the morning, if I were to turn the lights on right away or like say somebody just wanted to play a cruel joke on me and they came and they turned their iPhone on and they shine the, the little flashlight thing in my eyes, that would be very cruel and also very painful. We need a certain amount of time for our eyes to adjust to the light. Carry this analogy through. God is the one who said, okay, let there be light. And he spoke the, the universe into existence. Jesus Christ says that I am the light of the world. And so if every sin darkens our soul, again, think of the analogy. You fall asleep, that light shining in your eyes, it hurts when you first wake up after being in the dark. If we were to enter into heaven with our souls not quite ready to receive God in all of his glory and goodness, it would actually be very painful. And so God gives us purgatory really as a gift, as an act of his mercy to prepare us, if you will, to come fully into the light of heaven. Now, it's worth pointing out that it is not just sin that gets us time in purgatory, you might say. God also has to purify us of our attachments. Now, I'm just going to use myself as an example because I can be critical of myself. I have a lot of attachments. I do. I, I'll just be honest. I do. I am attached to, to the San Francisco 49ers. Just tell you straight up, 
as soon as I'm out of here, the 49ers game is, is on TV. I am attached to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, you can make fun of my choice of professional sports teams after Mass, but I'm attached to them. I'm just going to be honest. I'm attached to golf. I am attached to my phone. I am attached to name your streaming platform, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, Netflix, YouTube TV, Peacock, take your pick. I'm attached. And I realize that these things are not God. Now, are any of them going to keep me out of heaven? I don't think so. I mean, I, I hope not. I don't think any of them are, are mortal sins. But to the degree that they are not God, which is all the way, to the degree that I am attached to them, I am not attached to God. And I, I hate to burst your bubble. We'll talk more about this next week. But there's no Netflix in heaven. Just telling you straight up, there is no Netflix in heaven. There are no iPhones in heaven. There are no 49ers games in heaven. There are no Pirates games in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, if you follow baseball, you get what I'm saying. All right? I have to be purged of that. And so even if I die in grace, God still has to break me of that attachment. Again, this is all very, very good news. Purgatory is not something to despair over. It is actually something to rejoice in. A few years ago, it was a true story. A few years ago, there was a woman in our parish, not this parish, the previous parish, and her husband died very suddenly. Just, he was actually at Mass. Came home after Mass, had a massive heart attack, and died right there. About a week after we had his funeral and burial, she called me in a panic and she said, Father, he's still here. Said, what are you talking about? What do you mean he's still here? And she explained these, these things that were happening around her home. And I said, oh, it's not a big deal. So that's actually really good. It means your husband is very likely in purgatory. And as I said at the beginning, everybody who gets into purgatory gets into heaven. So I said, that's a very good thing. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to come over to your house. I'm going to offer mass in your house for the repose of his soul. And we're going to pray him into heaven. We did that. And she called me back a few days later and said, Father, it immediately stopped. It almost instantaneously. You offered mass for him. It stopped almost immediately. I said, well, yeah, of course it did. Because we prayed him into heaven. That's good. Now he can pray for us. And he's a saint. And so purgatory, again, is a very, very good thing. It prepares us for the glories of heaven. It prepares us to be in God's presence for all of eternity. It helps our eyes, the eyes of our souls, adjust to the light of heaven. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Amen.